it appears that today's society has multiple jobs. They're not just doing one thing. They've got this side hustle and this side hustle and this side hustle and they're doing multiple things. Why do you think people have so many jobs at the same time? What's up, everybody? Welcome or welcome back to a brand new episode of Simsation Nation. I'm super excited to talk about the subject that I'm going to introduce to you today, but I'm also super excited to talk about the person that I'm going to have to come on and talk about the subject that I'm excited to talk about today. So listen, there's a lot of uh, changes that's happening uh, when it comes to the the generations, right? Uh, I grew up a certain way where, you know, you had that whole standard plan that was built for you. You did X, you did Y, you did Z, you're set for your life. But, you know, I, as a person that has children of my own who are young adults and, and family members like the guests that I'm about to introduce, things change. Things are just not the way they used to be. So I really want to kind of dig into the subject of non-traditional career paths. And I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this subject other than my good cousin, Mr. Lee Bowie. He is Mr. Prim and Proper, you know, very educated and articulate and all that other stuff. And he has followed from what I have seen as I watch him from afar, a non-traditional career path. I, I wore my polo shirt. I should have ironed my collar, but I got my polo shirt on in his honor because, you know, I like his father. He's Mr. Polo himself and, and his sister, Mrs. Polo, all that good stuff. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Lee Bowie. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to uh, chat with you today about non-traditional career paths. You know, um, as you all encourage me and love me from afar, you know, that feeling is mutual. Love you and, and Tisha and all the kids. And so super excited to talk to you today. Dope, man. Hey, thanks. Super excited to have you on. So before we really dig into it, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Tell us about yourself. What 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 kind of job do you have? Just kind of give us a, a quick insight into the world of Mr. Lee Bowie. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Lee. I live in Washington, D.C. I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I currently work at LinkedIn as a senior customer success manager. So essentially uh, me and a sales team, so account directors, other folks, we work to ensure that companies who are using LinkedIn's products are seeing value. So obviously, if you see value in something, you're going to keep coming back year after year to continue to pay for that something. So we're essentially the main points of contact of uh, companies using LinkedIn. Uh, and so that's what I do in terms of my day job. And then also at LinkedIn, I'm a co-chair of our Black Inclusion Group, one of our uh, affinity groups or uh, employee resource groups at the company. So I'm a co-chair of the one located here in DC in our DC office. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's something that's really near and dear to me. And although I haven't had like a full-time role related to that, it's definitely uh, propelled my career in different ways as I've gotten more involved in it. So that's uh, kind of me in a nutshell. 
Very dope. Very dope. So I also hold DEI close to my heart. I almost had you come on to talk about that. We talked about that before we started recording this episode. And I was like, I don't know. He's good at both. And I'm going to tell you folks for the uh, viewers and listeners out there, I'm learning too, because I don't know if I really truly knew what role you play there within LinkedIn. I have a very small LinkedIn presence out there and I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So definitely appreciate what you do. So, so with that, um, from an education perspective, uh, I know that you have a huge milestone coming up that you can elaborate on as well. Uh, very educated uh, young man. And I will tell you, the way I grew up, um, we had this formula. It was you go to high school once you make it, if you're fortunate enough to make it through to that point, go to high school, get good grades, study real hard. And if you're even more blessed, you're lucky enough to get into college. You go to college, you graduate, you study while you're in college for a job that you already had your eyesight set on. And then you go get that job and you hold that job and you're set for life. Now, for those that are on the other side or maybe different paths that may not necessarily be fortunate enough to go to college or may not even want to go to college, some may go to high school, do well find a trade, go to trade school, you go do that trade. Others may say, you know what? School isn't for me. I go to high school. I get good grades. I get my high school diploma. And then I go find a good job, maybe in my local city. And I hold that job. None of them are bad. I'm just going to tell you the formula was set the way I grew up was that was the path. Now, I see things from my perspective today. I see which you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I, that's the whole point of this podcast. I see this generation seem to do a little more job hopping, right? Is that something that is probably more common to today's generation? Definitely. I, I do think uh, kind of the, the older generations are more loyal to companies uh, where we I've, I've heard, you know, different things. Millennials are kind of more balanced in terms of loyalty to self versus company. I've also heard, of course, that, you know, we're more loyal to self. However you want to put it, uh, the older generations are definitely more so loyal to a job. And I think, you know, it, it comes with partially, I think, just being different in terms of a generation. We like I've heard a lot of friends say I've seen it online a lot that, if a company had to fire you, they're going to fire you today. Mm, mm. <laughs> and in most cases, outside of like mass layoffs, like we're seeing in a lot of places now, you're not getting any additional pay past what you work. Like it's over then. But we are expected as the worker to give a two week notice in the interest of, in a lot of cases, multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies. So uh, I think it's just kind of a shift in mindset of how we're even thinking of the job itself uh, and thinking of how the job values us and how we value our own worth as well. Um, and I think also wages were a lot different um, mm. you know, back in the day as well, where, you know, depending on how far you go back, a lot of families were holding down uh, a single family home, maybe even a car on a single income. The woman is staying home, being a homemaker, even with multiple kids, the women were in the workplace and we were able to sustain on one job. And now, and I've seen it personally for myself, a lot of times job hopping is when you get the largest salary increases. Mm -hmm. You know, you get incremental raises if you stay loyal to a company, but if you know you have the skills and you can get this 
bigger job or maybe the same job at a different company. That was actually my last career move. I was a senior customer success manager, but at a smaller organization. So switching to LinkedIn, even though it was a lateral move uh, title wise, but in terms of the type of company, the benefits, the pay, it was definitely an upgrade. So I think that's a part of it too. It's just the economy and how wages aren't really in line with the cost of living for a lot of folks these mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and job hopping or switching jobs uh, is just the only way to try to stay ahead of the curve sometimes. I like it. And, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, it's just all coming together. It's, I, I love it right now. It's very interesting that you happen to uh, work for a company like LinkedIn and we're talking about the subject that we're talking about. I never have heard uh, someone put it the way you put it about loyalty to self. And I think that is the huge dichotomy between, say, generations like mine and, and today's generations. We had loyalty to the company. Like, you can't leave this company. You know, you've been here, here for five years and, you know, we need you and that kind of thing. And, you know, and you're like, I can't leave that company. That person gave me a shot and they hired me when nobody else would. So I got to stay here and I can't quit or I got a family and I got to support X, Y, and Z. And so today, I think as you put it uh, so well, is that there's more loyalty to self. Now with that though, I would imagine, it's just say if I owned a business now in this day and time where I am trying to make sure my business is successful, but yet we've got a generation that is kind of starting to focus on loyalty to self. How does a person like me as a business owner retain the talent that currently is employed in my business organization? Yeah, uh, great question. I think there are a couple of ways you can do that. One is the culture just of the workplace. A lot of times culture will will take a mediocre workplace to a really great workplace because you're having the events, uh, you're you're fostering relationships and things like that. So a lot of times company culture will do a lot of that. Uh, something kind of putting on my LinkedIn hat uh, that we've seen at LinkedIn in the data and research that we're doing is upskilling and professional development is a big thing as well, which I would argue probably goes and is a part of the culture equation. But making sure that you're investing in your current employees uh, and giving them if they want to build skills on management or additional coding, if we're talking about engineers and things like that, giving them the opportunity and the resources to be able to upskill. And then once they have gotten those skills, giving them the opportunity to move internally. Um, it's it's sad that, you know, at some companies, it's kind of known if I want to get into management, I need to leave and come back. Right. Like if you know someone is a good worker and they've shown you time and time again, you can depend on them, even if it's going into a new territory. Uh, I think there should be that trust there to allow them to try to grow into that role. And I think all of those things are a big part of of retaining your current employees. And I think also just listening to them. Mm. Um, the, For larger companies, a lot of larger companies will do kind of employee surveys and things like that. So if you have a large enough company to put something in place like that, that's a really great way without you having to put the pressure on the employee. Everyone doesn't feel comfortable going to their manager and saying, hey, I need $10,000 more per year. Right, right. Everyone just doesn't have that in them. So if you can... um, put out surveys and things like that, 
you can actually learn that information uh, and, and get it without having to put somebody on the spot or without making them uncomfortable. And it will also help you aggregate the feelings of your employees where you know, there are some people who may not be worth that 10 or 20,000 that are asking for it. But if you're yeah. getting this across the board, maybe it's time to go, you know, go in with HR and talk about compensation and how you need to bring it up across the company if you're getting that across the board with something like that. So I think just listening to your employees is a part of retaining good employees as well. Man, I love it, man. So for you businesses, you companies, you organizations out there, you better be listening, man, because I'm telling you right now, he's dropping knowledge on you. And, and valid point, because just because you go ask for money, it doesn't mean you deserve the money. You can't just expect money to drop in your lap. What are you doing to work for that money? So that that culture, business, companies, organizations is all about the culture, because sometimes you may not necessarily. And, and this is uh, speaking from someone who, who works for the Department of Defense. Sometimes we cannot compete with the private sector monetarily. So what do you, what else do you have to offer? You have to offer them a sense of belonging and a sense of great culture. Things like that will get people to stay sometimes for less money because they're happy with their jobs. And if they, as they say, if you enjoy what you're doing, you never have to work a day in your life. So speaking of working, then would you advise because if someone goes, hey, I need that 10K extra a year because, you know, I feel like I'm not feeling being very valued here in this job. And 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 company X may go, hey, sorry, listen, budgets kind of pretty constrained right now. I can't do that. Person Y may go, all right, well, I'm out. Now, do you advise a person to quit a job before they get a job? <laughs> I personally would not advise that for most people. Uh, I, you know, we see in the news how bad the economy is and things like that, how people are like paycheck to paycheck. So if you are like most Americans and you are paycheck to paycheck, then no, I wouldn't necessarily advise that. Uh, I do think this is... Uh, still kind of on a on a personal level. So if you know, for example, um, I didn't mention I'm married as well. So, married, <laughs> so baby, when you watch this, don't kill me. And I didn't <laughs> that at the top. But, um, you know, at the end of last year, she was in, uh, you know, a toxic workplace. And, you know, I said, you know what, babe, go ahead and quit. It's not healthy for your mental I got us. I'm going to hold us down because I knew what bills we had and I had the salary to be able to support her in that way. Unfortunately, if if I didn't, though, she would have had to keep working in that toxic work environment uh, for us to not, you know, create more problems in the future uh, if yep. we're not paying our bills. So I think it really depends on is it is it really that you just don't like it and you're not enjoying your work or is it truly toxic where it's affecting you? you know, mentally, physically, whatever it is. Um, so that's one part. And also just realistically, most people have bills. Almost everyone has bills. That's right. And so you have to pay those bills. And you gotta so, pay those bills. Gotta so hit them with the Destiny's child. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you already know you don't have the support system, uh, I would in in most cases recommend just tough it out. If you can you can tough it out mentally and I know everyone's mental capacity for things are a little different, but if you can tough it out mentally, I would say tough it out until you um until you can secure the bag at the next place. But I'm also a big proponent of when you start kind of don't I I'm a big proponent of not letting it get there. When you start feeling okay, maybe this isn't the right place 
just start putting out fillers. I'm not, yep. because that way you can be a little bit more picky. Yep. It's not so toxic that I need to leave tomorrow. So I can be picky. I can only apply for jobs where I'm getting that 10,000 more that I want. Right. I can only apply for jobs where they're giving me unlimited PTO because it's not a desperate situation. I, I hold the cards because I'm in my job. I'm not the happiest, but I, I can make it. I'm cool. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of getting ahead of it. And don't wait until you're at the place where you are literally dreading to go to work every day. Because I feel like we all know. Just yeah. like in a relationship when you kind of know when it's not going to work out and you may stay <laughs> a couple extra months, most of the time it's like that for a job too. And I say, not in a relationship, but for a job, start <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, maybe maybe not so much for a relationship. Like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and go to get on this right. dating app. You know what I mean? <laughs> See right. what else is out there. Fine but yeah. <laughs> For a job, absolutely, because you know what? I'm going to link that back to what you said earlier about culture, right? If I have a business company or organization and I'll happen to walk through it, I see a couple of my employees out there looking for jobs with my competitors, that should give me an indication that, hey, maybe uh, there's something wrong here in my organization where uh, I need to change the culture and people are out there looking for jobs. And like you, um, I, I uh, encountered an opportunity uh, for me to be, again, fortunate and blessed enough where my wife uh, was in a job that wasn't really great for her at that point in time in life. And I was like, nah, hey, you, you can stop whenever you want. Right. And I know for a fact that she would have done the exact same thing for me. Um, not everyone is that fortunate, uh, unfortunately. And that takes me to my next question. I've also noticed people not just again with that formula that we had, you get that job and you hold on to that job. Today's society appears anyway, because I don't like stereotyping. Uh, it appears that today's society has multiple jobs. They're not just doing one thing. They've got this side hustle and this side hustle and this side hustle and they're doing multiple things. Why do you think people have so many jobs at the same time? Oh, I think there's so many parts to, to answer this question. One, uh, I think social media does have a part to play in it. Like we see people on social media and I think that's kind of multi-pronged. One, in that hustle culture is a thing. People say it, they're proud to be a part of hustle culture. Like Hustle culture is a thing. So when you see um, influencers and celebrities who, in a lot of cases, you're looking up to and they're saying hustle culture and I'm hustling, and I'm doing 30 different things. A lot of times you want to emulate that and you want to hustle as well. Uh, also, I think um, even outside of celebrities, again, with social media, most people are posting wins on social media. There's not that many people like come out and, and talk about the opportunity they didn't get and things like po that. Post your trials and tribulations to balance it out. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, and so then, you know, if you're just in the social media, sometimes your point of view can get cloudy. You can think everybody's doing better than you. So you may feel like you need to catch up. So you need that second job so you can be where it looks like your friends are and they may not be there. They may be borrowing money and doing stuff like that to do the couple things they post per month. They may yep. be doing it on somebody else's dime. You don't even know. So I think <laughs> that's part of it. But I also think on the other side, uh, again, bringing the economy back up, it, it's it's rough for a lot of people out here. Like um, there's research um, that 93% of Americans and 93% of America Someone on minimum wage, single income would not be able to afford a one bedroom apartment. Wow. Yeah. So 
the wages haven't kept up with productivity and things like that. And so in most of America, like I said, if you're a single adult on minimum wage, you need that second job just to survive. So I think it's a, a little bit of both, just society and kind of us pushing hustle culture, but also the wages just overall aren't where they need to be. I love it. So the whole the the uh, the whole uh, premise it sounds like to me of of folks doing multiple things and having their hands in multiple pots is really uh, driven by the hu the hustle culture that's uh, out there on social media and and the economy that's just not keeping up as well. You know, I've uh, I've always told people you know social media makes everything look great and sometimes news makes everything look bad and uh, you know people are always contacting us like oh you guys just have it you guys are so great and you guys just it's like you know I tell it's like you see the tip of the iceberg but you don't. See that yeah. big, huge piece below the sea, and or, or nor do you see that duck. You know that duck everyone sees gliding across the water, but the feet kicking. You know beneath the surface. So we we like to post our celebrations and and things like that. But every now and then, I'll post a failure out there. It's like, hey, I didn't get job X, I didn't get promotion Y, I didn't get award Z, because it lets people know, hey, I'm human. It humanizes you as well. So I think that's important. So hustle culture, I like that in social media. People don't get caught up in the hype. Do what you're doing and do what you can. Um, now, I got to ask you now, with regard to longevity in a job, we talked that, about that a little bit. Uh, in today's society, from your perspective, uh, how important is longevity in a job, um, say, for medical benefits, 401ks, things like that? How important are those factors when it comes to seeking employment? It, it's important. I mean, I, I'm fortunate to work in tech where a lot of times those benefits like 401k for retirement and PTO and all that for a lot of tech companies, especially larger tech companies, that that kind of starts on day one. It's not uh, like a lot of traditional companies and other places like when my wife started at the new private practice she's at, like it's going to take a couple months before the benefits kick in as a lot of traditional jobs do. So uh, I think depending on the industry, more important than others. But I think just in general, longevity at a job is important. I think our generation, again, has kind of changed up that playbook a bit where a lot of us, especially early career, did do a little job hopping, staying at a job year, year and a half and going to the next one. But I think after you've done that um, a couple times, maybe two, three times, but like you should be getting to a place where you know what you want out of a job. And so you can choose a job where you can have a bit more longevity. And I think that that is important for a number of reasons. One, I don't know about all the listeners. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I start a new role, I don't really feel like I'm really, really in it and in a groove. Oh, yeah. Good groove until like nine to 12 months in. Oh, yeah. From there, it's just deepening that knowledge. Like it's still more to learn. Uh, and so I think just there and being the best employee you can be and building those skills for whatever is next for you, not necessarily management, but even if you are just looking for the next level up uh, in your particular role, going from, uh, you know, like I'm a customer success manager, going from customer success manager to senior customer success manager, something like that, just deepening those skills to get um, to the next level, or if you are trying to get into management, 
even more important, both in terms of uh, upskilling and also building relationships as well. So I think um, longevity is definitely still important um, to eventually get to. I don't think it's like get in, stay in sure. immediately, but I do think at a certain point, it's something that uh, we should be considering. At some point, your legs get tired of hopping around exactly. so much. And, and uh, honestly, sometimes, you know, like as for you, uh, lateral moves uh, are, are, are successful for you because sometimes going sideways can allow you to go up higher. Right. But, you know, lateral, 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 lateral over and over again. If that makes you happy, then great. But if that's not your goal and you're actually trying to find a way to climb a, a mountain, because uh, I'm not a mountain climber, but I know a little bit about mountain climbing. You can't just go straight up. Sometimes you got to like step over to the left, step over to the right, get your foothold until you can go up another step higher, so on and so forth. So I think that's important. And I think you explained it very well. Now, um, I'm targeting at this point, you know, those uh, those young ones that are out there, uh, potential future college students, current college students uh, about to graduate um, or parents of all of the all of the above. You know, we are in a generation now, at least I think all of the things that I say are not set in stone. It's just my perspective, uh, which is why I offer opportunities for folks like you to come on and help me fine tune that a little bit. Um, it seems at this point um, that people are trying to figure out if traditional education is something that they should be focusing on. And you are about to graduate from Georgetown, right? Can you give us a quick snapshot of what that's going to be for? Yeah, absolutely. So graduating with my master's in liberal studies uh, from Georgetown University. So really excited about it. Um, so the degree, I was able to kind of build it to what I wanted it to be. So I took a lot of classes on religion, history, a little bit on policy. And so it was a, a really great learning experience. And it was a program meant for working adults. So really great in terms of learning from other uh, colleagues, other classmates in different industries, uh, a lot of them with really deep DC connections. So really enjoyed my my time uh, on the hilltop. Now, so with that, having said all that, um, the standard traditional educational path, what are your thoughts on that? You know, is it, hey, if you want to be successful, you need to go get your associates, then your bachelor's, then your master's, potentially your doctorate, or what, what's your thought on that? And and this is, again, targeting to targeting those viewers and listeners out there right now. Yeah, I think this really comes down to uh, a preference. Like you you talked about earlier, if you enjoy learning, if you want the degree, definitely think there is a benefit of having a college degree, particularly depending on the field you're going into. So something like medicine, something like education, a lot of those jobs, you're required to have that degree, first of all, and then you almost automatically get additional money uh, when you increase those levels of degrees, when you go from bachelor's to master's, master's to doctorate. So certain fields, of course, it's going to be required. Um, but some fields, it's not like, for example, the job I have right now, I don't need a degree to do the job. Um I'm sure the degree, having the degree helped me get the job, but it's not a job where I had to, you know, go to coding school or anything like that for those credentials. So I think part of it, it's on a personal level. What is going to make you happy? So if you want to get that degree, whether the um, job you want in the future require hard skills or soft skills, I think mm. you should get that degree. Uh, with that, I do think the world is changing a bit. Uh, when I was growing up as well, graduating high school, 
that was it was almost like degree or bust. Like yep. uh, if you wanted to go and be very successful, you needed to go get your degree. Um, and I do think that has shifted a lot. You mentioned trade school earlier. I'm a big proponent of going to trade school. Um, as you know, my father went to trade school. He's done very, very well in life. Um, and, you know, he makes more than my mother who has her doctorate in nursing. And so, you know, that that's a testament to say, don't just think if you have the degree, you're going to be making more than the people with the trades or with no degree. And in a lot of cases, that's not necessarily true. Very, uh, very so, valid point, because, you know, as most people uh, probably don't know, some of those trades, those trade jobs, as you already elaborated on, they make more money if money is the thing that floats your boat. You know, everything's not necessarily always about money, but for some people, they're driven by money. Uh, there's a lot of trade jobs that out there that pay more than some of the traditional educational type jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to say, if you want that trade, do that. Um, but also a lot of companies are, again, putting on my LinkedIn hat, are moving to skills-based hiring. They're looking, do you have the skills? Have you done uh, the job or a similar job, or can you translate those skills that you did before to the skills that you need here? A lot of companies are um, kind of moving to focus more on skills rather than the degree itself. But again, even though the world is changing, it's a very slow change. There's still fields that still require the degree. So I think if you have the means and you actually want the degree, I definitely think the degree is a is a great great thing to do. And it's so many options. Now you can do it online. You can do it part-time. Like there's so many options. So if that's a goal of yours, I definitely think there's still value there, but that's not the only way. Uh, if that isn't something that you're into, you don't want to, um, you're tired of school, you know, it's just not, <laughs> thing. you know, I do think there are many other paths um, trade school and other things that you can still lead a very successful life. I like it. And, and so uh, one thing I want to target on real quick now is the fact that, uh, so first of all, uh, it sounds to me that it's okay to change your mind. And I was going to ask you to kind of elaborate on that a little bit, just for a quick second, because uh, education, knowledge, all of that stuff, it's lifelong. Like it's always ongoing. Uh, education changes, uh, your goals change. We change as people. And uh, I watch a lot of cooking shows. I can't cook, but I watch them because they entertain me. <laughs> and, and one thing that, that Gordon Ramsay kind of instills in, in some of his chefs is it's okay to edit. And so when they're they're about to cook something or prepare something and it doesn't work out, you can't just sit there and get stuck in it. They edit. Oh, let me make an adjustment. I was going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. I think that has been kind of uh, somewhat of your path, right? Which is why I have you on here to talk about non-traditional, because I know at some point early in your career, you were studying more of the arts and theater and things of that sort, right? And I think at this point in your life, you realized well, you still love it, I would assume, but you made an edit and you adjusted. And I think what you're trying to say is it's okay to edit. It's okay Absolutely. to change. Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, so uh, to go a little bit before college, I went to a performing arts middle and high school, uh, got into dance. So ballet, modern, contemporary, and much to my parents' dismay, went and studied dance in undergrad. So the dance major, French minor. And as we were finishing up, you know, auditioning, things like that, 
uh, I decided, you know, the starving artist lifestyle wasn't for me. A lot of artists is a good example of kind of just the pay not being there. A lot of artists, if you don't know, in New York City, they're, you know, dancing or doing theater during the day. And maybe they're busing tables or being a waiter or waitress at a restaurant at night. And honestly, that just wasn't the life that I wanted. Um, and as you mentioned, still enjoyed the art, still go to the Kennedy Center sometimes here in D.C. Uh, and I go through phases of teaching dance and not. But I decided that wasn't the life that I wanted to live. So I did go abroad a little bit and taught English to French middle school and high school students in Martinique. Did that for about a semester, came back, worked in the nonprofit space at the YMCA, uh, ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, did a brief stint in sales, went back to the YMCA because I did want to, I wanted a, a job that I felt was meaningful. I was doing good in the community. If you don't know, the YMCA is uh, a nonprofit first, even though a lot of folks just know them as gyms. They do a lot of community programming as well. They're a really great organization. And then at a certain point, um, I wanted more money. I wanted a shift. Um, I felt like I had skills that I could leverage in other ways. And so I decided that I was going to leave the YMCA, try to get uh, a different job. And so I found a tech company that worked specifically with nonprofits and ended up applying for a customer success role there. Uh, didn't know what customer success like as a field or industry was, but knew that through the job description that I could I could do that. So I was able to effectively leverage the skills that I had at the nonprofit to say, hey, I can talk to your nonprofit customers about this. I had to prove that I was tech savvy because I hadn't worked at a tech company before, but that was a small hurdle to overcome. Like um, did a couple of assessments and a couple of conversations, but I think a lot of the ability to successfully shift or edit, a lot of that comes from being able to uh, leverage the experience you already have and being able to kind of translate that. I remember I did a very short stint in recruiting um, in between my customer success. And I remember uh, we talked to a couple of uh, military organizations and veterans to talk about like how we translate that military experience and that government jargon and what that means in the private sector. And I think even for in general, when you're switching industries, it's not just a military to private or uh, public to private sector thing. It's it's just in general, when you're switching industries, you got to have that where you can really prove um how these skills relate to the skills that you want in this new field. And so was able to effectively leverage my skills from the nonprofit work there. And since then, I've been in tech and been in customer success. So worked at a different uh, startup in D.C., a little bit larger startup. And then now uh, here at LinkedIn after a couple of years. So, Dude. yeah, I think, yeah, just leveraging those skills that you have, but definitely fine to edit. I think that we should do that more if you're unhappy in your role. Um, do research, reach out to people on LinkedIn, reach out to your friends and family, talk to them about their roles. If you're if you're unhappy with what you're doing, uh, it's 100% fine to edit really at any time um, in your career. I love it, man. Listen, I'm gonna ask you a very simple question with a very simple answer. It's either, it's a one word answer and then I'll tell you why in a minute. Are you happy? Yes. Boom. So ladies and gentlemen, you just heard a whole conglomerate of experience that culminated in one single word of yes with regard to are you happy? 
It is the prime example of a non-traditional career path that ultimately led to a happy individual doing what he loves. And I think that's amazing. So with that, I want to give you one last opportunity, uh, pretending that you just hopped into the elevator with a future college student and you've got about 30 seconds to the top floor and they say, what kind of career advice can you give me for my future? What would you tell them? I would tell them to come up with a plan, uh, probably a five-year plan, but revisit that plan every year and make edits. These can be small edits. They can be big edits, but come up with a plan, revisit that plan every year. As you are achieving those goals in that plan, make sure that you are connecting with people along the way, both colleagues, folks who are on your same level, because you can learn a lot from them, but also uh, people who are where you want to be. Uh, make sure you're making those connections. And some of those relationships may grow into mentorships where you're really feeding off of their knowledge. But say, come up with a plan, edit that plan every year uh, and make connections along the way. And of course, keep your happiness and your well-being at front of mind when you're coming up with that plan. Mike's being dropped everywhere. Everybody watch out. Mike's are being dropped all over the place. Hey, listen, man, uh, before I let you go, I like to end each episode with a very quick speed round, 10 question, what do you prefer? Uh, not related to the topic, but I just like to end it on a fun note. So whatever comes to your mind. So real quick, question number one, when it comes to pizza, should pizza have fruit on it or no fruit on it? No fruit. No fruit. Basketball greatness. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Ooh, Michael Jordan. Okay. If you had to read a book, which I know you do, do you prefer audio or paperback? Paperback. When you work out, would you prefer leg day or, or arm day? Ooh, arm day because I need some work on them. <laughs> <laughs> With regard to libations, would you, would you like a nice strong cocktail or a glass of wine? Depends on my mood, but I'm going to go with cocktail. Okay. Communication. Uh, are you the kind of person who's like, hey, pick up the phone and give me a call or send me a text? This should have been a text. Uh, really, it depends on who you are. Certain people I just don't talk on the phone with. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to go with a phone call. Cause I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Travel. Road trip or hop on a plane and take a flight? Hop on a plane any day. This next question is actually kind of funny and ironic. Uh, I, I, so, yeah, I'll just ask it. Attire. Do you prefer a T-shirt or a polo? The question is designed to be like a style of shirt, not a brand of shirt. So which one is it for you? I'll still go with polo. <laughs> okay. Po polo and polo. Yeah, polo, polo. <laughs> with, with regard to heroes, would you choose Superman or Iron Man? Superman. Music. Digital. Vinyl. Ooh, vinyl. Vinyl it is. Yeah. Listen, uh, Mr. Lee Bowie, uh, my cousin, it has been an absolute honor uh, listening to you, learning from you. Uh, I hope this experience has been great. And so to the viewers that are out there, the, the listeners that are out there, I hope you learned something from this. So I just want to tell you, uh, Mr. Bowie, thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending some time with us on Sensation Nation. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great chatting with you. Maybe I can come back in a couple seasons. We'll have a follow-up conversation. Done. Let's consider it done. I appreciate okay. it. All right, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. Until next time, I'm out.